This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time to How to Super Age with Elise Marie Collins. Now, Elise, life has been hitting the two of us like crazy. You would think having your podcast Tuesday afternoon, every other Tuesday, you know, it shouldn't be a big deal for the two of us to be online at two o'clock. And yet between your family and my family, um, we've sort of been off schedule, but that doesn't mean we haven't been recording. And it doesn't mean that you haven't been talking to a lot of prospective guests. So tell us who you have on today. I have Kathleen Joan. I'm going to give you a little teaser and then I'm going to talk for a moment because she has so much uh, to offer. And we're going to talk about God and what is God? Is God, do we think of God as a masculine dominating figure or do we think of goddess, especially those of us who are women? And there are more women living longer. So we really need to rethink this because if we're growing up um, with a masculine uh, idea of God, that can really affect us as we age. Before I go get into our guests, I wanted to hold up my book and just remind you all that if you haven't gotten a copy, copy of Chakra Tonics, this is a great guide that will help you, I believe, connect to the goddess because the goddess comes through us in many ways. And the ancient Indian system of the chakras was one way that it was believed that the goddess or the gods, whichever you want to think of it, that it comes through you, higher power, um, supreme essence. And even if you don't believe in God, it's just something bigger than you that you can bring in. You can strive for through all these energy centers, the crown, the brow, the belly, and they all relate to different aspects of our personality and being. So this is a great guide and you get to have fun making delicious recipes that are nutritious and delicious. So uh, leave the link in the show notes and we'll get to our guests. I'm going to read her bio. I'm so excited today. We have Kathleen Joan and she's a priestess of the Brigid committed to the resurrection of the divine feminine, committed to the resurrection of the divine, divine feminine. That's very exciting, especially with her within her own Catholic Christian tradition. She holds a master's degree in theology and ministry and has held, has had over 10 years of ministry experience, including directing retreats, teaching classes on religion and spirituality and leading small group spiritual communities. She offers Reiki energy healing and spiritual directions for all genders, as well as women's circles and retreats to help you reclaim and claim your sacredness in the image of the divine mother and to take your place in the great rebalancing that is happening in today's world. So, wow, I am so excited to have you here today. I would love to hear what got you. Have you always been Catholic and really committed to that religion? And what got you into this, uh, I'd say mission to help women reclaim their divine feminine. Just tell us a little bit more about who you are. Cause your biography, your bio is amazing. 
Well, thank you so much, Elise. And thanks for having me on the show. And by the way, Chakra Tonics, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you have that book. I definitely want to get it. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, so thank you again for inviting me. Um, yes, to answer your question. So I was born and raised Catholic, um, very committed to that, uh, that religion and that spiritual path. And I was always really into like, faith and service you know I volunteered with nuns after college and that kind of thing um and that was when I decided okay I want to uh, rather than you know going into academia which was another choice I had considered I said oh I'm I'm gonna devote my life to this god stuff that's why I thought of it <laughs> this god stuff um so I got my master's degree in theology and ministry all within the catholic uh, tradition I studied with some wonderful Franciscans I went to the Franciscan school of theology for grad school um, and then I found myself teaching at a, a really wonderful, um, progressive, pretty, you know, fairly liberal Catholic high school uh, and running retreats there. And that was all well and good. And the, around right around my Saturn return, um, around the time of when I was in my late 20s, to early 30s, the goddess happened. Um, and I, I say that she, you know, she showed up. She started showing up in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and you notice how sort of different things appear in your life kind of at the right time, right? Like when you're ready to, to take a step in a new direction. Um, so I found myself invited really by through people that I would meet or communities that I could become part of to um, start thinking of the divine in, in a different way as feminine. And it's kind of funny because I had written my master's thesis on like women as images of Christ. Like clearly this question was like there for me, but I had never... I had been calling God she privately in my journals since college, but I didn't know anybody else who did that, right? Um, so when I found, I started to meet people, um, I always tell the story about how I met, um, there's a Hindu guru named Amma who travels around the world. She's known as the hugging saint. Have you heard of her? Um, I've yeah. seen her. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's incredible. And, and like she she yeah. embodies and, and acts out the goddess uh, from her own Hindu tradition and um, so I, when I met her and like got a hug from the goddess through Amma, that was like this incredible divine feminine spiritual experience, right? Um, and then I also found a goddess church in San Francisco that I, I started to attend. And through all these experiences, um, it opened the door for some real healing uh, of, I would say, like wounding that I had never really allowed myself to to talk about or name or feel, which was this idea that like, within the, the patriarchal religion, right, within our, you know, theologies that only talk about God as male, women are less godlike. And that's just the deep message that we internalize, sometimes without knowing it. Um, sometimes it can be very explicit, right? Um, such as the fact that, you know, the Catholic Church still doesn't ordain women. And the reason given is that we don't reflect the image of Jesus as much as a man, right? So, okay, yeah, <laughs> like <Okay>. that, <laughs> and and Jesus is God, right? So there's this very literal equation of God, godliness with maleness, right? Um, and in my, what I've sort of come to understand through kind of my own journey and my own experience and theological like conversations with people, right? Is that um, what, we, what we worship, the ways in which we name and image the divine comes to shape what we value in our lives and what we who we treat as valuable in our society right 
So, and then this applies to a lot of different dynamics um, besides gender too, like, right? You, we could say, you know, we typically imagine God as an old white man sitting up on a cloud. Well, God doesn't have an age. God doesn't have a race. God does any more than God has a gender, right? Um, but when we give God those attributes, we we hold up the people who look quote unquote look like God <laughs> in those ways, and we we devalue the people who don't look like God in those ways, right? So it's like this self reinforcing like we we worship the people in power, <laughs> make God look like the people in power in our society, and then that determines it sort of justifies our value system of, of who we are holding up as sacred, right? So I love that. I wonder if you could talk about how embracing divine feminine, how can that help us age? In, in aging, I've studied gerontology and we uh, have a, a kind of a framework called the life course. And it, it starts with, you know, how you're socialized. Some maybe aren't even socialized in a religion, but they're still around in a culture and they may be in many cultures, as you were speaking of, Ama is Hindu. And so this is probably a worldwide phenomenon. So I know you can only touch upon a few things, but I would love to hear how um, even reclaiming, just as you talked about your own aging process, I mean, aging is happening to all of us, of course, at age 28, at age, um, you know, 98, all these things let us know um, your insights on embracing the divine feminine and how that can help us as women age, because we are living longer and longer every year and there's more women living longer than men. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. I do think that the, it tends to be kind of a common trend, maybe particularly for women that we tend to, we, if we discover the divine feminine, <laughs> if we're lucky enough to be exposed to her in some way, right, in our, this current culture that we live in, um, it's, it's not when we're like kids, except maybe a few of us are, are raised with a, you know, religion that has goddesses, um, but as far as like mainstream American Christian culture, right, um, that's not as common, and, and so we tend to discover the divine feminine as, as we get older, and part of that is, that we realize a lot of ways in which maybe the the religion we were raised with isn't working for us right we've maybe we've tried for a while to to fulfill the roles that are handed to us by the culture or by the religion right you can be the the good girl uh or you can be the whore like <laughs> these kinds of things right you can be the good mother um you can be the bad woman you can be this or that but uh but eventually as we age i think um women start to long for just a truer and a more integrated version of ourselves and to see that reflected in the divine um, and to have to see ourselves kind of as as this, these full beings who who shine our own divine light in the world. So I, I think there's this like um, getting tired of of what we've been handed <laughs> from the patriarchy, right? And looking for something different, you know? Yeah. And, and do you think that we need to have um, even a spiritual tradition because I know as a yoga teacher, some people come to my classes and they may not be spiritual or religious. I, you know, discuss those topics, but uh, do you work with people that are not um, religious at all, or, you know, they may be atheists? Yeah, that's a great point because um, so many people today actually are not growing up in any particular religion, right? Or or are choosing to, to disaffiliate, right? 
with a religion that they might have been raised with. Um, I think that people define the divine feminine a lot of different ways. So um, some people would would say that she is is Mother Nature, right? That she is embodied in Mother Nature, uh, and that we are part of her because of that, right? Because of our connection with the planet. Um, some people might say that she is the quote-unquote feminine aspects within all of us, which, by the way, applies regardless of your gender, right? Um, we all have these aspects that our society has kind of like labeled as feminine, such as our emotions, um, our, our bodies, the wisdom and the knowing that is held within our bodies, right? Our creativity, like these are the forces within us that sometimes get labeled as, as feminine and not valued quite as highly as like logic, reason, planning, consistency, like these more structurally um, rigid, more quote unquote masculine aspects of ourselves, right? Which we all have, like we all have all of these. Um, so for someone who's not necessarily spiritual or religious, uh, those might be some ways that they could call in this divine feminine energy, um, whether that's being in nature or whether it's creating art creating music, creating quote unquote birthing, right? Um, whatever is yours to bring into the world is a super divine feminine power that we all have within us. Mm -hmm. I love that because those are, um, especially nature, that's part of Ayurveda and what I study. And that's a great way to relate to whatever you want to you know, label as divine or again, bigger than ourselves because we can just look right. out and see a tree. If we're not, I can look out my window, mm -hmm. but even if you aren't looking at your window, you can visualize nature. You can go out into nature so you can connect with that or the idea of creativity. And those are so important as we age, as we go through the life course. Now, the negative of course, would be what we call toxic masculinity. What is that? How would you define it? And, and how does it maybe affect us at different stages or different, you know, even transitions, whether we decided to have children or not children, some of the things women might go through, uh, maybe even a, a gender uh, transformation. Let us know um, what does toxic masculinity do to our psyche mm, or our culture? So yeah, many things. Yeah, no, that's such a powerful question. Um, and I, I like that we're distinguishing particularly like toxic masculinity because there is absolutely an integrated sacred um, divine masculine that that actually that also needs to be reclaimed right um, alongside the divine feminine so so I just want to put a pin in that like we're not you know, we're not saying we want to throw out the masculine right um, but I think what you're talking about this toxic masculinity is when the more quote unquote masculine aspects of ourself um, which could be like logic, reason, structure, planning. It could also be like that sort of drive within us. Like if anyone's into astrology, I think of the planet Mars, right? Which embodies sort of this, this archetypal masculine. Uh, and it has to do with like our, our drive, almost like a aggression, but it could be in a positive way, right? Like going for the thing, accomplishing the goal. I'm going to go out and do this. Like all of that is part of a, a positive masculinity, right? Um, that lives within all of us, regardless of gender. But when I think we we go towards toxic masculinity is, um, I think you used the word earlier, at least dominating. Like when we start to use that power, that's a positive thing within us, but we start to use it to uh, have power over someone else and to sort of impose our will <laughs> in a way that puts me in a position 
above someone else and perhaps harming them or not listening to them whenever I'm not in a mutual relationship with them anymore, right? Where it's it's like me power over and that's it, right? Um, and I, I think that's kind of the root of this like toxic masculinity where, um, and, and this is kind of, this is some of the wounding that actually so many men in our culture experience, right? Um, the idea that that they have to be in charge, they have to not have feelings, they have to always be the most powerful and have power over everyone else, right? Um, and this is where I think some of our God images really need revising. <laughs> because if we talk about, um, oh gosh, you know, I'm a, I'm a singer and I, I still remember in college singing like Handel's Messiah, like King of Kings and Lord of Lords, hallelujah, hallelujah, like all that amazing music, right? This total spiritual experience for me as a as a Christian to be singing this amazing work of music, but now I look back and I'm like the God language is is about the most powerful man. Like it's constantly like the King, the Lord, the highest of high, the commander of the armies. It's always about the most powerful masculine images we can find, um, and I think that 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 does great damage, right? Like when we think of God as that dominating masculine figure, because then certainly like many men and and a lot of women and, and non-binary people like we all feel like oh gosh I better become more like that I better become more constantly in charge and doing it myself and exerting my power over people um when really what we need to balance that out is to bring more bring in more of the mutuality right in relationships with one another relationships with the planet like all of that so yeah I mean toxic masculinity huge problem <laughs> Yeah, what I'm hearing too is a lot of it you're relating to the planet Mars. I would relate it also to fire, that element of fire where we want to push, push, and maybe not even um, just have that dominance over uh, other humans, but also over even ourselves. Um, happen to be reading a book right now. Uh, it's a very interesting book. It's called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And he is a military person and he just keeps pushing himself. And he has had a, a really traumatic background. I won't go into all the details, but we have a lot of discussions about toxic, toxic masculinity in this, in yeah. this um, group that I'm in. And it's it actually to hear someone speak of it and, and living this life that has redeeming qualities, but also just like, whoa, I can't believe someone's doing this. <laughs> like he tries up for the Navy SEALs uh, and that's just brutal. <laughs> so uh, it, it brings up a lot. And I think many of us have internalized some of this and um, you know, we see it and, and maybe even retreat for it. Cause that's my reaction. It's like, I'm getting out of here <laughs> when someone is, is that dominating. I'm like, I'll see you later. But that has that I pay a price for that too. You know, not standing up for yourself mm -hmm. question. I want to ask because I've found as I age and as I uh, see other women, you know, on the path beyond me, um, we have an opportunity. It's, it's like we can let go of some of this baggage that we've taken on. And the word wisdom that's thrown around a lot with aging. And as somebody who studies aging, uh, sometimes we, we don't always become wise. But I think that you think of, um, you know, there's a wise woman and wise woman in all of us. And how could we, we grow that, lift it up, bring it out? Mm. How, what tools could you give us? Because I know you have a lot, you teach your students and you work with people. The wise woman. Well, I love that image. Um, and I'll, I will just put a note because I come from this Christian Catholic background. So this is where my brain goes. And many people who may come from Christian backgrounds might appreciate this, that 
In the Bible, wisdom is actually spoken of as a feminine aspect of God. So if you didn't think there were any divine feminine <laughs> images in the Bible, there are. Um, they're not highlighted often, right, for, for very intentional reasons, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, wisdom is spoken about as this aspect of God. Um, and she, it's a feminine term in, in the original biblical languages. And so she creates, she's the one who creates the world. She's the one who's present and she plays among creation and she delights in creation and her, her, so like lady wisdom, Sophia, you could call her, right. Um, is this part of God that's also really intimate and present to us all in nature and within ourselves. So, um, whether or not you, you know, are religious or Christian, or anything, I think um, that could be a way to think of it. This idea that like the wisdom that is within us, the wisdom that lives in nature, the wisdom that comes out when we gather, particularly if we're talking about women, um, women's wisdom always comes out in a women's circle. Whenever we get together in circle and, and have some ritual, have some sharing, have a space to um, really share our voices and go within and listen to our own deep, knowing our own deep intuition and then have other women hear that and recognize that and honor it as true and as wise and as sacred to me that's a powerful sacred process because um again in a in a patriarchal culture right so often our voices are not being heard maybe particularly in spaces of spirituality and religion sometimes um so just to give ourselves that space to, to validate our wisdom and to have other women mirror back to us, like, thank you for sharing that. You know, you just opened up something within me. And that to me, that's where the flow of the divine feminine happens, right? Wow. I love that. And a couple of things, as we age, we also become more vulnerable, we're needing help perhaps. And we soften because in Ayurveda, we go through different stages. We have the earth stage, which is childhood. Then we have, we go into teenagers. We become more fiery. We're pushing more, you know? So we are all in that fire stage until we get to our later years. Uh, then we're softening more into like air, the air and the ether, which is more of what you're talking about. And so I love that you brought it to the circles and witnessing each other and listening. I know that you uh, do some rituals and circles. How, how, how do you work with women? I know you do it online and I'm sure in person, like how do you cultivate that space where we can feel safe and as women and what do you do? Tell us more. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. Thanks. That's a great question. So creating safe and sacred space, um, it's, it's quite an art. It's something that I actually studied. Um, first of all, I, I do bring in a lot of my teaching background and retreat facilitating background. Um, and I also worked with this group called the Wild Woman Project. So I'm a certified Wild Woman Project circle leader. Um, and that, that was the coolest thing because coming from this, this background that I did, I was like, wait a minute, this is retreats but with the goddess, like <laughs> I found out that I knew <laughs> kind of what to do. Like I knew what to do, but this, this training kind of helped me put it in, in the framework of um, connecting with nature and with the divine feminine. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th there's so much that goes into creating a, a sacred women's space, but a couple of things I can highlight. Um, well, one would be just to really like 
anytime we gather, we gather around the new moon. So I have a, a new online new moon women's circle every month, uh, which is public. People can drop in. Um, and when we're gathering, it's usually around a theme. So we can uh, choose a theme based on the energy of the new moon, which is what we usually do, right? Um, but if you're if you're creating your own, you know, sacred women's circle, you can you can choose whatever theme feels relevant. And we actually often work with um, oracle cards. So we, I have a, a goddess-based deck of oracle cards and a nature-based deck, and um, those can be a cool way. Like you choose a card, and it can be a neat um, starting point for your reflections or your intuition and whatnot. Um, and I think it's always important that, I guess the most important element of a women's circle is to have that, um, open sharing time when each person gets a turn to go around and speak from her wisdom, right? From, from the truth, the divine truth that is within her and to have other people just witness it, just honor it. Right. And so there's really no crosstalk in my new moon circle. There's no like opportunity for anybody else to like tell you you're wrong or like explain to you what you just said or right like sort of um rob the truth from from what you just spoke into the circle right sometimes with the best of intentions women can do that to each other just as well as as any more gender right um so yeah I mean it's uh, not a podcast answer I would say <laughs> yeah that sacred space to honor each woman's voice is is one of the key elements right yeah yeah a different space than yeah interviewing or talking like we're doing now mm -hmm. but like that is very well, as you said the intimacy of just listening yeah. and even noticing what arises in yourself that you know you might go oh I want to say this and then you go no no this is not the space to mm -hmm. it's not a podcast <laughs> not <interesting. laughs> you could schedule them for a podcast but <laughs> right now you sure. get to kind of bask in that it's yeah. beautiful yeah. And when it's your turn, you can certainly say the thing you wanted to say. Right. <laughs> um, but what I what I think is different about that is it's not a debate. Right. Like if, if we're going back to the idea of toxic masculinity, right, would be this idea that um, I, I experienced often uh, in college classrooms for whatever reason. I think maybe some people share that experience of like we get to like higher education, academia, and it's all about like debating why the other person is wrong. Right. Um, and I, I it's just so unhelpful most of the time, <laughs> I think, and and maybe a, a sort of toxic masculine way of of talking about something versus a even a more you know healthy integrated masculine or feminine way is to be in dialogue with one another, right? Oh, Karen, we can't hear you. I think you're muted. Thank you. I I knew I changed something. Um, I think we have to give ourselves permission not to question each other mm -hmm. and I see this happening all too often um, I have been taking a class for now about four months um, and it's all about our personal identity and you know I may say something that maybe somebody doesn't really resonate with but they don't tell me the negative okay they will find the positive in what I've said. And if they don't say anything at all, that's fine. Um, and I've been really working on taking that kind of dialogue outside of the group because I find that we are so interested in telling somebody else what the right answer is. 
And what I'm appreciating about you, Kathleen, is that you're telling us that there really is no right. It comes from within. Yeah, thanks, Karen. I think um, the question of right and, and wrong gets, gosh, it's just so loaded, yeah. <laughs> right? In a in certain, uh, just with the connotations that we have with that in um, our cultures and our religions and whatnot. And I appreciate what you're saying about like every person has their truth within them, right? Um, yeah, and I think that's, that is what is, is valuable and, and often comes out of, of a sacred women's space, right? Um, where I, what I would also add <laughs> to the, to what you said about right and wrong is that I think if we look at divine feminine, particularly, um, and the idea of moving away from relationships of domination into mutual relationships, right, that maybe that can become a guide for us as far as right and wrong. Like, we know that, we know that there's all, that there are so many different truths because people experience things in different ways. And we also know that if there are those relationships of power over that are harming people, we can confidently say, yeah, that's that's wrong. That's not in line with the divine feminine, right? So I think there are statements that we can make um, based on the idea of a goddess who wants these loving mutual relationships for all of her creation, right? This is so helpful too. What I'm thinking about is we have so much divisiveness and it's coming up a lot in politics and how we sort of categorize, this is my belief, this is your belief, or this is right, this is wrong. So what you're saying can be super helpful. Uh, I'm even imagining as we go into the holidays with family members that may not <laughs> may not agree with us. And so, yeah, they, they have their truth and we have our truth and there's no right or wrong, as you're saying. So this is helpful <laughs> for um, not even just studying the god goddess or embracing divine feminine but that sort of yin quality of listening observing not having to dominate as you say it's so powerful mm -hmm. i know you have a free gift for us and we're going to talk about that in a moment but what do you what do you call the re great rebalancing because that almost sounds to me like i think that's what we're going through but i don't know exactly what it means can you define that i read it in the bio yeah thanks um yeah that's kind of my phrase for um where i feel like we are in history right now <laughs> meaning what do i mean by that well the world it, it, for many ways the world seems to be kind of at a, a point of great change right and an inflection point certainly like with our climate crisis like we're at a point where we need to really rebalance um our relationship with the planet and to me for my and this this taps into like my whole christian background as well as my understanding of the goddess um that that rebalancing has to do with ourselves, within ourselves, rebalancing kind of the presence of the divine feminine and honoring that, and also within our societies, right? So like we've been living under these structures of injustice for so long, racism, sexism, like all these things, right? And truly rebalancing means moving back into relationships where we we are interdependent. We're not, we're not in these dominating one power over relationships, right? Um, so that's the great rebalancing is kind of my phrase for, I mean, different astrologers or historians might talk about it differently, um, in different ways, but it, it's kind of my phrase for like, um, moving, moving in the direction we need to, and, and that we actually must to, to save humanity and to, to be in right relationship with the planet and ourselves and each other. 
I love that you say the great rebalancing, because again, it, it feels very calming and um, possible. There's a lot of possibility in the way you speak mm -hmm. rather than, uh, you know, a lot of the messages we get overtly from the news, from the paper, you know, from many sources. So I'm feeling just at ease and more peaceful and looking forward to aging. <laughs> <laughs> gracefully yeah as we think about aging right like this great rebalancing is going to help a lot as we get older yeah yeah and we're living longer that's I think about that too you know we're living longer uh those born after I think 2000 or 2002 are expected to live to be 100 but will you know will what will what will things look like right so Maybe for a, my final question before we talk about your gift is, you know, is there any other wisdom in that context I just set up that for aging that, you know, the goddess or your, your teachings can help us? Hmm. Yeah, thanks. Thinking, thinking about aging and uh, well, one thing you and I had talked about earlier, Elise, was this idea that um, aging naturally as a process moves us maybe out of that, a little bit out of that more masculine, like drive and accomplish and go do and, and produce and this, right? Like kind of go check off a whole list and accomplish everything um, and moves us more into a contemplative, more like being, um, which which we could see as a, as a balancing of, of feminine and masculine, right? Um, so yeah, for me, I, I mean, I would bring it back to that idea of wisdom that lives within us, the idea that as we age, we perhaps have a little more, um, hopefully, time and space in our lives, <laughs> or we can we can allow ourselves that to really tune into our inner wisdom and to become a source of wisdom for others who are younger than us, who are making the journey behind us, right? Um, so to me, that is an inherently divine feminine thing, I think. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. And I did a little bit of study. One of my professors was also a theologian and I took um, mindfulness, aging and spirituality. And that was a whole, we could have a rich discussion about that, <laughs> but we, we did um, study some um, Catholic uh, David Stendhal, I think his name was. And that was amazing. He had even a journal so much to dig into with this topic of aging, the divine goddess and spirituality, especially in the context of religion. I've so enjoyed this conversation. Do you have any other questions, um, Karen? You know, I, I heard a comment that you made, um, Elise, you know, you can't wait to age. And there was once a time I thought, you know, I just, I want to live, but I don't want to age. But I've gained the wisdom of all that rushing around I've done most of my life trying to prove myself. And now I'm at that point and I really made some changes within the last week that it's not about me anymore. It's about me in, in, con in connection with others. And when you start looking at your life like that, it's, it just feels good, you know, because it's not about, oops, I made another mistake. It's about what can I learn mm -hmm. from what I just did that doesn't feel good. And so for people who are out there, you know, aging doesn't mean you have to go sit on a rocking chair and wait till you take your last breath. 
aging is what we've been doing since we were born and let's just continue to do it. And, you know, like you've said, Kathleen, you know, dig down deep, see what it feels like. Uh, it can be amazing. And, you know, you don't have to be Catholic to believe in what you're believing. And that was the wonderful thing about today's podcast, because when I read the bio at first, I thought, oh, this is going to be very religious and we're going to lose a lot of people. Absolutely not. You are absolutely wonderful and keep your message coming out. Mm, Thanks so much, Karen. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I was raised a lot by my grandmother and she was Catholic and took me to Catholic church. So I could totally relate. And I, I wasn't baptized, so I couldn't do communion or anything. My family didn't go to church. So I felt like I had one foot in. And one foot out. <laughs> so, and I know, I know Kathleen, so I knew, you know, this is going to be awesome and we'll have it. to have her back again. Cause there's so many questions that I didn't get to ask and so much that we can discuss in this topic, but the listeners can get something from you. You have a gift that's going to help them on this um, path of connecting with the divine goddess. What is it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so um, I'd love to share a free guide that I created. It's called Five Ways to Connect with the Sacred Feminine Daily. And it contains simple spiritual practices that you can do in your home, that you could, you know, connect with community and all of this. So ways that you can start calling that divine feminine energy in. And that's regardless of your gender, regardless of your religion. As we talked about, there are so many ways that all of us can access this divine feminine energy. So, so I invite you to download that at my website, which is bridgetsflame.org. Great. And we'll drop that in the show notes. So you can just click on it and I'm sure you'll get a lot of takers because I love that it's daily too, because it's not just, Oh, something to think about, right. but right. It's practices, things you can we do can over and over this again. podcast. That's yeah, it's great that we can take what we've contemplated today and actually bring it into our lives and, you know, flesh it out that way. So thank you so very much. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Elise and Karen. Thank you. And hopefully we'll have you back soon. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Have a great day, everybody.